This is Paul Watson, and you're listening to the Film Focus podcast. Hello, yes, Fulham played out our third consecutive one-all draw with Bristol City at Ashton Gate on Saturday as Mitro's goal just after half-time was cancelled out 10 minutes before the end with a highly dubious goal from Casey Palmer. The Fulham players celebrated our goal with Reese Porter, who was sat behind the goal in the heartwarming moment of the season, but we're left wondering now if our early season optimism was perhaps slightly misplaced as we dropped to fourth place in the championship table. Morton Wigo are your regular co-host for this one, plus we welcome back Chair of the Fulham Supporters Trust, Tom Greatrex, as our special guest this week too. My name's Matt Boisclair, and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Right, well Tom, thanks ever so much for coming back on the show, mate. It's been a while. Uh, we'll get to the reason why we've asked you on in just a minute, but firstly... What have you made of Fulham so far this season? We've, we've lost a bit of momentum, haven't we, just lately? But do you still think there's a reason to be optimistic? I, I do, actually. I mean, yeah, the results the last few games haven't been as good as the, the first few. But actually, what's heartening from my perspective is the performances have still been pretty good. We've been a bit unlucky, I would say, both uh, against Reading uh, and particularly on, on Saturday at, uh, at Bristol. You know, at, towards the end, we could easily have easily have won it. Uh, we didn't. You know, and as you know, that's another draw at Bristol City. Nearly every time I go there, it's a one-all draw. Um, but it's not a bad point, actually, a point away at Bristol City. So, um, and, you know, there's a long old season. And the thing that I think the Leeds game showed us is when you've got a second string of them that's that good, we've got the strength in depth, which uh, may be to our advantage, you know, as we get into the season, other clubs might not be able to match. So I think there's plenty of room to be optimistic, not complacent at all but optimistic that we're in a good place to be able to make a serious challenge for going back up. It feels a bit frustrating at the moment, doesn't it? After those those first five or six games where we were undefeated, that we've now lost a couple and we, we just, like I said, we're, we're losing a bit of momentum. But we'll dissect the game in a minute, but I just want to come on to the reason why we've got you on. Um, we've got you on because it's Coventry away on Saturday. And of course, it's been nominated Jimmy Hill Day. Jimmy Hill is a, a major figure at Coventry and at Fulham. So what have we got planned for Saturday, Tom? So we've been talking to the Sky Blue Supporters Trust. We are the equivalent of the Fulham Supporters Trust. It's a long time since we played Coventry. In fact, Fulham and Coventry have only played each other in the league once since the 1940s. Um, so somehow we've been in all four divisions, both of us, but we've managed to miss each um, when we've gone up and down through the leagues. Um, and so we, with Coventry being back in Coventry this season, we wanted to uh, just mark the fact that Jimmy Hill, as you said, a big figure in both clubs, controversial at times, you know, not saying that everything he did at Fulham was perfect when he was chairman and it caused a lot of consternation, but made a massive contribution. So asking fans who managed to uh, get tickets, and I think tickets have been selling very well for this game, um, if they can be at the Jimmy Hill statue, which is uh, at the main entrance of the ground, the other side of the away entrance at 12 o'clock on Saturday, um, we're going to join together, Fulham fans, commentary fans, um, and take a few pictures and get do a few bits for the media. Just mark the fact that as well as it being a day where they're raising money for the Jimmy Hill Foundation, uh, that the supporters of both clubs recognise the important role he had uh, as this is the first time we've played commentary for very many years. Very nice too. Nice touch. That'd be really good. 
All right, mate. Well, thank you for that. Let's come on to uh, looking back at the Bristol City game and let's bring Wigo and Morgs in as well. So, lads, Josh Onema returned to the side as the Whites travelled down the M4 to face Bristol City, who haven't yet won at home under Nigel Pearson. And Josh Onema was the only change to the Stars in 11 that lost to Reading. He made up a midfield three alongside Seri and Chabala. Morgs, how do you think this combination worked for us? It's uh, one of many combinations we've used in uh, in the midfield this season so far. Well, I wasn't unfortunately I wasn't actually able to get to the game, but you know, watching the sort of the extended highlights of it, um, you, you, Shalibur didn't have the game that he had against uh, Birmingham for sure, and obviously he was taken off at half time, uh, having to, uh, received the yellow card. But you can't. It is still working out what that best midfield three is, and obviously Seri at the moment has got to be sort of one of the first names on the team sheet. And then it's a bit of a toss-up between the other two. And I think Onoma deserved his chance. I thought he was quite good against uh, Leeds on Wednesday. Uh, sorry, on Tuesday. And um, Shalabur, I think, you know, he will find his feet in the team. I think, obviously, he had a great debut. But the last couple of games, maybe not quite as um, impressive. But I think he's, you know, obviously, he's a great championship player. He's been up with Norwich, um, Watford a couple of times. And I think having him as an option is key i think when reed came on i think it looked like he changed dynamic somewhat and i think he's you know if he stays fit and if he gets back onto the form that we saw in you know in stages in the premier league last year and in the championship i think he's again he's one of the first names on the team sheet but that number 10 role if that's what we're calling it is still up in the air because it is, you know, it's, you know, it's a, it's a long old season. And with uh, the wing play and Mitro being the focal point of the attack, it's about who sort of is able to slot in with everything going on. And I think if um, Cavallo gets himself fit again, he's going to be back in there because we've looked a little bit sort of uh, lost without him, which is a bit crazy considering he's only 18, 19 years old. So I think if we if he gets fit and he's happy because obviously there's everything around his contract stuff going on, then he needs to be back in the team straight away. So I think those three that started on uh, on Saturday, you know, earned their place in the lineup. But I'm not quite sure where that's uh, set in stone. Yeah, I get what you're saying, Morgs. My thing is that actually Chalabar, when it, when we got everyone fit, Chalabar's my fourth choice central midfielder. Maybe even fifth if you're counting number 10 as well. Because obviously, you know, Seri is nailed on. Harrison Reed and Josh Onema. You know, Reed is very inconsistent in terms of fitness, which is always going to be a struggle. And the best football we've played this season has been when Seri and Onema have partnered as defence midfielders. said this on the preview podcast as well. That's a, that is the combination that works for me. When they've sat behind, allow, allow Carvalho to be able to link them and Mitrovic together. So if everyone's fit, Chalaba does drop down quite away for me. Um, but this combination, yeah, clearly didn't work because after 45 minutes, it was all change. So um, something obviously was going wrong. Um, and obviously Silver, you know, bought on Cabano and Reed, So changed up not just uh, direct changes, but also changed up the system as well, which I found interesting. And it obviously paid off uh, when we got the goal, but... It yeah. was good that he was aware that it wasn't working because, you know, obviously Shalabu was brought in because Silva knew him from his time at Watford. Um, and you think, well, sometimes even if he wasn't performing, 
he might have left him on there because he knew what kind of player he was. So it was good that he recognised that it just wasn't quite working and he tweaked it. And, I, you know, the attacking play in the second half looked far better than it did in the first half. So obviously something that he did, you know, be it the tactical changes and the team talk, uh, you know, paid dividends to an extent. Obviously, the goal was a bit unlucky to give away, but there you go. I think, look, I think the thing as well is, Bubba would have been sent off if he'd stayed on longer than the 45th minute. You know, he was... He was booked and had another couple, a couple of rash challenges that, and given the standard of the refereeing, um, I think that was also one of the reasons why he changed it at half time rather than waiting another 15 minutes. But, um, you know, that, that combination midfield, I suspect it will work against some teams. Uh, you know, I think that's, we, we're very lucky. I think we're all, everyone's fit. We've got such a range of different options. And there may well be, you know, different teams playing different uh, formations where Chalabra is a, Higher up that higher up that ranking than than otherwise, but it obviously didn't work. It's credit to the manager that he changed it at halftime. How many times last season and previous seasons have we said what happened? Why was there no substitution? Why didn't he know? Why didn't the manager, previous manager, you know, get what was going on and change it up? Well, Silva did that, um, and you know we could see the results because it was so much better, particularly in the first half of the second half. So, um, but you know, for Swansea game. May change it to a, a different different midfield three. I think it's necessarily a weakness that that, that there's not a, a set first starting midfield because I think you know there are different players you're playing against different strengths and you've got to work out which is the best for each fixture. It does feel like sort of Cavallo did have his name on the team sheet until he got injured, and so did Seri once he'd sort of committed his you know this season to the club. So yeah. it really was just filling that one space, and I guess you know there we have so much choice at the moment that it's hardly surprising that we don't have a set three because you know we do have uh you know uh the riches as it were in that sense uh, we definitely have a set two if everybody's fit we definitely have a set two we, we have carvalho and we have uh seri but then it's who is that other person if everybody else is fit and chalibur his debut against birmingham he was man of the match wasn't he, he his passing range was superb he, he looked really good and then against Reading, not so good. Um, Saturday, not so good as well. So the problem at this level is always consistency because the, some of these players, they, they can easily play in the Premier League, but they'll perform maybe once every three, four games, maybe the lesser players once every five or six games or whatever. Um, and and that, that's, that's the real difference between the top players and the players that kick around in the championship, unfortunately. Wigo, you got your hand up, mate. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, what I find interesting, obviously we talk about how Seri and Carvalho are those certain names on the team sheets. If you spoke to any Fulham fan last year, you'd have put Harrison Reed as probably your top name on the team sheet out yeah. of everyone on the pitch. And now we're not even saying he's a dead cert to get in, which is just which I just find unbelievable. But obviously the fitness is massive, isn't it? And this is a problem mm. with coming out of division with 38 games and going into one with 46 games is Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So, yeah, obviously, look at the difference between opinions in sort of July. You know, Seri doesn't have a future at the club and Harrison Reed's a first name on the team sheet. To Seri's one of the first names on the team sheets and Reed's got to fight for his place in the centre of well, the field. You know, we, 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 we reserve the right to be fickle as football supporters. That's what uh, we do, we are, we are fickle fuckers. I mean, that is a, you know, that is a fact. That's what we do. We know it. That's just what, that's and just we're what happy we do. with that. <laughs> 
That's that's what we do. <laughs> they get paid the money, and we pay the money to watch it, so we can do what the hell we like. Bloody right. Bloody <laughs> Even right. if the opinions are a little bit backwards sometimes. Uh, well, we had a couple of half chances in the first half with headers from Mitro and Chalaber. First 15 minutes of the game, actually, those two. And then Harry Wilson teed up Josh Onoma right before the break with a back heel. His low shot was quite comfortably saved by the keeper. But I really feel like at the moment, the quality of chances that we're creating, certainly in the first half against Bristol City, the quality just wasn't there compared to earlier in the season. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that's because we're missing Carvalho? I think it's kind of, it, that, it seems like a really simple reason, but our play was revolving so much around him and he was sort of you know said i think i said in the pod a couple of weeks ago when he was on form he was dictating games and for you know you know most of the time he was on form for the before he got injured so it's kind of the fact that we don't have him he's a you know he's a glaring hole in the team and i think if we do get him back we will see a difference um but at the same time, is it a case that other teams have already found us out? You know, it's uh, our styles changed so much since the Parker days that, um, you know, perhaps teams just took a little bit of adjusting to it. But, you know, they all have scouting networks. They, they're all well informed about styles and, you know, they watch game tapes, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like it won't take long to figure out how a team plays. So, you know, maybe it's just the fact that we need to come up with, you know, the old the classic plan B to shock teams again. But, you know, perhaps we are just having a bit of a blip. You know, against Birmingham, we scored four goals despite not being that good. So, and that was only two games ago, or three games ago now. So I don't I don't think we need to panic. I think it's just perhaps, you know, we just missed a few chances and the play looked good. And so I think it's now sort of, you know, everyone might be sort of mildly overreacting to the fact that we didn't win. But, you know, there are, in a 46-game season, there are going to be blips. I mean, that's just the way it works. Yeah, I think I think that's that's right. You know, 46 games is a, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's a long, old season playing, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, most of the way through the season. And you've got to try to uh, to manage the resources you've got. And we're very lucky in that we have got strength, you know, strength in depth, which I think is probably unrivaled amongst the, in, in the championship um, and the other teams of the championship. And I think that, you know, we, I'm not so despondent about we've, uh, you know, in each game I've seen, and I didn't go to Blackpool, so that's the only one I haven't seen. In each game I've seen, we've created chances. Um, and I'd be worried if we weren't creating chances. Uh, what we haven't had, though, is we haven't taken the chances, particularly the last little games, in the way that we were doing earlier in the season. Um, but I don't think that's something that's, um, that's an insurmountable uh, barrier. And I think, you know, like Harry Wilson, he was brilliant against Birmingham. Um, he wasn't so hot um, on Saturday. He was better the second half than first half. So, you know, players will come in and out of form a little bit. And, you know, there are all these factors uh, to, to account. But overall, I'd say we're, we're creating chances. The finishing hasn't isn't as sharp as it was right at the start of the season. And, you know, that's something you can tell from what the manager said at the end of the last two games. They're very well aware of, and I'm sure they're working on. And I'm hoping that on, uh, you know, next uh, midweek, we will see um, a much better better performance in terms of finishing you know, those Mitro could easily have had a hat-trick on Saturday. Um, and maybe, you know, we're due to give someone a good thumping and maybe it'll be Swansea. Tom, I want to come right back to you. Um, as the boys said earlier, at half-time, Marco Silva made that double change, bringing on Harrison Reed for Chalaba and Nisikins Cavano came on for Josh Onoma. 
right after half time, Mitro firstly hit the crossbar. Then he gave us the lead five minutes after the break. I want you to talk me through the goal and also talk a bit about uh, Reese Porter, who the who the lads all went straight over to upon scoring that goal. Yeah, I mean, I think that was that was really nice. That was a a really nice moment, and um, where I was sat straight standing and just had a you know right a very good view of of the celebration. You could see they were looking for him, and they all went over. You know, the whole of the team after the after the goal. But it was, you know, it was it was a really good goal because we got a we got a good crossing. You know, which you yeah. weren't doing quite as well in the first half, and it shows you if you get a good if you get good delivery into the box, there's no one better than Mitro at our level, I don't think. And all right, we had he had chances later that he didn't convert, but you know, somebody as dangerous as that as your, as a striker, you know, he's, he'll um, worry defenses up and down the rest of the league, and that's what we need to do. You know, we need to be able to get the ball in the box, and we did it in the start of the second half. And we got the rewards. Um, we should have perhaps got more later on. But, you know, I, th- I thought the goal was just a brilliant Metro goal. A brilliant team goal, actually, because it was a great a great run, great ball in um, and a really nice celebration to, 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 to finish it off. Yeah, we should have had a second goal as well when Harry Wilson got in behind the defence. But he lifted his shot over the keeper and it just went wide of the post just before the hour mark. Then 20 minutes later, Niskin Skibano also found himself in behind the defence. But... Finishing isn't something you'd usually associate with Niskin Skibano, is it? And um, his shot just hit the keeper. Once again, Morgs, we're just not clinical enough in the big moments there, are we? No, and I think uh, the Wilson effort showed that he is really sort of lacking a right foot. And we know he's obviously heavily left-footed, but it's very frustrating when a uh, professional footballer can't sort of do simple things with their weaker foot. And I think, you know, that was one of those one of those moments uh, but obviously, he got the assist on the goal. I thought Cabano's um, run and uh, you know, assist to the assist, as it were, uh, was brilliant. And he looked really sharp when he was uh, when he was on. And I think it's what he, you know, Niskins is one of those players that has almost flattered to deceive during his career at Fulham. But in recent times, you know, he whenever whenever he's come on or played, he's actually been very good. And it's it's great to see because obviously he's a great character. How is he still? How is how is Niskin Skabano still here? I think career must have been over years ago. (laughs) Can't believe he's still here, and now he's like like part of the first team again. He's big part of the team. It's it's amazing, really, the turnaround he's had. Well, he did he did quite well at Middlesbrough, didn't he? And they were they were raving about him there. And I think he obviously got offered a new contract. uh, Well, they activated a new contract. um, I guess in the hope they they cash in a bit on him. But then they're like, oh god, we need to we actually need to play him because. We've got relegated, and all our loan players have gone. Do you remember and a couple well? of years ago? A couple of years ago, when uh, in the, in the Slav season, might have been against QPR, and he got bought on, and then got taken off again. And Slav looked absolutely livid with him. Um, and I just thought of that moment: Ah, oh, Cabano will be gone. And uh, yeah, here we are. Power. Three years, got rid of Slav. Three years, exactly. Three <laughs> years later, he's still here. Unbelievable. Anyway, but it's 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 nice to see. You know, sort of. I've, yeah. I've always sort of said that he's kind of like you know one of those uh, you know lower squad players. But nowadays, when he comes on, he's actually looking like an asset, uh, which is great. Um, but, you know, overall, yeah, our uh, clinicalness um, was wanting at the weekend. and But it has been for so long. But we were creating chances, which is great. Uh, as Tom said, you know, perhaps someone is due a pasting. Um, I'm hoping it's Coventry, because I won't be at the Swansea game. So I'd like it to be Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, the... Uh, Pace them both, eh? Yeah, why not? Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I mean, the problem is with it not being clinical enough as well is it's costing us. You know, there's two points dropped yesterday. It's, you know, no points last week. All right, Birmingham, four goals, fine. But if we look back to a couple of years ago, we lost 3-0 at home to Hull, 3-0 at home to Barnsley. You know, all of these games, all right, we won a couple, 1-0, but we're not seeing these games off. Stuff can't, you know, league standings can come down to goal difference at the end of the season. And if it's not going to, if we're not going to finish it finish off our chances, then, you know, we cannot complain if we don't go up at the end of the season. Obviously, it's a completely different tone to what I've been taking on the podcast from earlier in the season. And I look back with a lot of regret, actually, at how cocky I was. But, um, you know, we look very <laughs> good. <laughs> we look... I know, that's what makes it worse. Um, but, yeah, it, it could come down to goal difference. And, honestly, what are they working on in the week if they're not taking some of these chances? I mean... You know, I've seen the highlights. Some of the misses were awful. And last week against Reading as well, I saw something on Twitter yesterday that said, so from Bristol City, Leeds and the Reading games, we've had something like 62 shots on goal and we scored twice. That's dreadful for a team that's looking to go out. Awful. You need to sort it out. Otherwise, kiss promotion goodbye, honestly. Really it's not it's one of those things, you can work on it on the training ground. And you do all these like drills and stuff like that, but you can't replicate the the match. And especially when you're playing against a Pearson team as well, you know what they're going to be like. They're going to be quite, you know, they're going to be bullies essentially on the pitch. Uh, and it's so difficult to sort of know how, you know, what it's like playing in that situation. Obviously, you know, Mitro's goal, he was about three yards out. And so you couldn't miss that in theory, but there are other ones that it's like they miss them and go, oh, that looks easy. But realistically, you know, or no, in reality, even it's, um, you know, it's just the way it happens. It's a split second decision by the guy taking a shot and it just doesn't work out. And, you know, it's not the same as being in training when you're having a laugh with your mates, essentially. Yeah, but these players are, have got to be in that position to miss these chances in the first place. These they're, they're not rubbish players, so the fact that we are creating the opportunities, the goals will come. I'm absolutely certain yeah. of that. We're not going to keep. I mean, under Scott Parker, chances were at a premium, and you just wondered where how we were going to score. Whereas now, you think, well, we're, we're going to score. We're, you know, it's just a case of how many are we going to score. We're top scorers um, in the league. I mean, we don't yeah. get to that point without being sort of relatively clinical. But yes, we do need to sort of convert more chances than we have. But we are creating them, which is a good sign. We're not playing, you know, dilly-dally football, which we played under Parker, and not having a go. We're just, our goes aren't going near the goal enough. <laughs> well, on, on Saturday, we did for a bit in the first half. There was a period where we, there was a lot of passing sideways and passing backwards. And I said to the guys with this, is like... Um, it's looking dangerously like last season. And you could see uh, that Silva was furious with them. You could see him, you know, going mental on the touchline about it. And then obviously he made the change at half time and, and obviously told them to, you know, go back to being, you know, trying to go for it. I mean, I think the difference in some of the early games is we scored early. You know, we scored early. And then you sort of, any sort of anxiety sort of just calms down a bit. And then you can go for it. I mean, like the Birmingham game, we scored exactly the perfect times, just right in the first few minutes, first 10 minutes, um, just before half time, just after half time. And then that's it. You know, no one's going to come back from that, basically. Um, and, you know, every game, I think, apart from maybe the Blackpool game, we have had good chances in the first 15 minutes. 
yeah. difference is the Reading game, the Bristol City game, we didn't take them. And if we had done, it would probably be been a bit different. Um, I think that's the big difference between now and earlier games in the season. Um, but, you know, as I said, I, I'm not too despondent because, as Matt said, we are creating chances. It's not like uh, two years ago after playing Millwall off the park and thrashing them and thinking, this is going to be a really exciting team. We're going to, you know, put everyone to the sword. And then, you know, two or three games later, we were passing sideways and backwards and it was all about possession and, you know, could we create a chance? It's not like that. And as long as he doesn't regress to being like that, then I think, um, yeah, OK, we're sort of, what are we, four points from away from um, uh, from Bournemouth, are we, I think? But, you know, yeah. it's not it's not much, you know. And when you're playing two games a week, you know, by the, by the end, by Saturday at three o'clock, we could have overtaken Bournemouth again. And that's how that's how that's how tight it is, and it'll continue to be all the way. I think. I think it doesn't help that it's Bournemouth that are sat on top of the table at the moment, and people are anxiously looking up, thinking, "Ah, oh, Scott Parker, <laughs> you, you bastard!" Um, but you know, we'll. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm still confident that we'll win the league. I'm still confident we'll catch them. But it's just, um, it's just one of those moments. We, we, you can't win every single game, um, but the fact that it's defeat draw as our last two. Is um, is just a bit of a pain in the ass at the moment, but we'll come good, I'm sure of it. Anyway, let, let's come on to um, back, come back onto the game. And Naki Wells had chances to get the home side back in the game. He headed over the bar from close range, which was a really good chance, and then he brought a good save out of Gazaniga as well at the near post. But Bristol City equalised with just over ten minutes to go. Gazaniga made a good save from Chris Martin, but didn't get enough on it to get it out of the danger zone. And Casey Palmer buried the rebound from a tight angle. But Tom, that was miles offside, wasn't it? That had to be disallowed, surely. Uh, well, I was going to say I was surprised. I wasn't that surprised, given you know the referee who I thought was had a pretty terrible game, and the, and the lines are on that side as well. Actually, he, all the way through the first half, he was missing all sorts of things. So, but you know, even from behind the goal, you could see it looked like it was offside. And then when you've seen the replays later, it was you know the first chance that alone on the score with was offside, and so he shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been up, but you know, just think about it. What's the what's the the other side of that is? Well, if you don't have that, you have VAR, and would you rather have yeah. the spontaneity yeah. and the, the reality of football? But sometimes those things go against you, or would you rather have VAR? And I'm still in the camp that I prefer to have what we have, even though you know it was infuriating on Saturday. Uh, we'll we'll score an offside goal this season and get away yeah. with it. It'll happen, so it'll even itself out. But it is, it is that. It was quite a, you look at that and go, that is clearly offside. That, I mean, that is a linesman just not doing his job. It wasn't even a, you know, uh, if he had it sort of, you know, you know, six inches or something like that, which you may not realise. But it, it's the championship referees, and we've talked about that. Um, and it's just like, it's consistently inconsistent, as the as cliche goes, I guess. And they just need to sort it out. I don't know what it is that they do. But they really need to get the refereeing at this level, uh, you know, up to scratch. Because yes, it's below the Premier League, but at the same time, these are teams battling it out to get into the richest league in the world. And if they can't have the uh, standard of officiating that you would, you know, that could cost you hundreds of millions of pounds sorted, then there's a real issue. And whether that's, you know, whether the EFL are looking at that or if they're even actually recognising there's an issue with their officials, then, you know, you do need to question sort of what's what's going on behind the scenes. Because it does, it, the, the level of referees and I guess 
you know, as a knock-on assistant referees is so poor. It's exponentially worse in this league. And it's just gonna, it's so tiresome because yes, we don't want VAR because VAR is a pain in the ass and it sort of, you know, takes the excitement out of a lot of football. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to go every week going, oh God, what shit referee have we got this week? So, Well, we had to cover that equaliser and we had to say that was offside and have a bit of a moan about it. But the fact of the matter is, if we take in the chances that were created, uh, then we would have won the game. Uh, we did have some more chances. Seri had a deflected shot that hit the crossbar with a few minutes to go. But as we push for, uh, push for a winner at the end, Marco Silva opted to bring on even Caviero rather than Rodrigo Muniz, which, uh, which I did find slightly bizarre. Um, Tom, what, what are people seeing in Caviero? Am I missing something? What I mean, do you rate him? Does anyone rate him? He's so inconsistent and infuriating. I don't see the point in bringing him on at the end of the game in, in, in that fashion. Well, I mean, I think Marco Silva obviously rates him because um, he's hmm. playing him and bringing him on. Um, I thought, you know, maybe been a little bit harsh. I didn't think he'd, the, however long he was on for, last few minutes. He didn't do that bad. I mean, I think there were a couple of times right toward in that those flurries towards the end when we should have really um, scored at least one more. You know, there were some times when he was causing problems coming in from the coming in from the left um, in towards the box. So, um, uh, but other games when he's been played sort of up front and you know his his finishing is just not good enough. Um, and uh, you know, even at this level, I don't think it's good enough um, and hasn't been so. Yeah, I, I, maybe with Muniz, uh, you know, he was he was obviously carrying an ox still from um, uh, from um, the game midweek. Um, maybe he's a bit tired as well after that, and he's still adjusting. So, you know, mm. if we're going on, we're, we're putting somebody on for the last last throw of the dice. Probably, I can see why you would put Cavalera rather than Muniz on at that point, um, and you know, focus on trying to get the ball into Mitro, which happened, and we should have got more out of it, but we didn't. Well, we'll come on to those Mitro chances now. Wigo, I deliberately didn't come to you about the, the Caviero question because I know your feelings about Caviero. I think everybody does. But <laughs> He's right a great player. Game, He's a great player. Right at the end of the game, Mitro missed what was probably a sitter. He's got seven goals already this season, but he's missed some really good chances, hasn't he? He even hit the bar with the last touch of the game too. It, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, sort of, you know, we were saying earlier, the chances are there for him. <laughs> they're good chances and they're good chances that a, a number any number nine would dream of having you know some of the teams in this in this league aren't going to get the chances that Mitrovic has had and it's happened many quite a few times this season maybe not many that's a bit harsh um but obviously you know he's doing something right because he's, he's already got seven goals but if he could just if he could take those chances you know, we'd be uh, we wouldn't be discussing how we're not very clinical. Do you know what I mean? So, all right, it's all on the team as well, and you can't rely on one player. But he's had some sitters, but who hasn't? I think Bobby Reid had some sitters last week that he should have scored as well. So it is is what it is, isn't it? As I say, he's already got seven goals, so you know. So, not a lot sorry, can I do. Mean, sorry, mate. That that was a bit of a hospital pass. I did basically invite you to slag off Mitro who scored seven goals in nine games but <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, he's still he's still a great player as I'm saying that as you're right though the chances are falling to him yeah. that a couple of them he should really score so yeah. I don't know he's still a quality player though I mean I think that's just what a good player he is though he scores seven in nine and we're still thinking he should have scored more you know and he should you know it was a bit like I was 
I was, I, I was thinking towards the end, this was going to be like that game at Preston in the, uh, towards the end of the uh, season when we got promoted under Slav, you know, when Mitro popped up in the what was it, 90th minute or 89th minute and scored the winner 2-1. It felt a bit like that was going to happen. And it really very, very almost did, you know. Um, and another day, he'll bury both of those chances that he should have yeah. and he should have done. He didn't. Um, but, you know, he'll be, I'm sure he'll be kicking himself. And I hope that he'll come out of one of the next two games or both the next two games and try and put that right. The thing is, he's coming into these games confident. Last season, he was coming into the games looking drained of confidence, looking like he didn't want to yeah. be there, uh, felt unwanted. Uh, he's got none of that this time. He knows he's got a manager that loves him. He's got you know, a, you know, know, plenty of goals under his belt already. Yeah, he's missing some chances, but at the same time, he's getting into the positions to you know, capitalise on those. And the one he took on Saturday was a proper, you know, proper striker's or poacher's goal. So I don't think that'll worry too much. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, we didn't get three points on Saturday. He only scored one goal when he had far more chances. But at the same time, he is a striker back on form. And, you know, we just have to sort of be somewhat patient when it comes to these sort of games where a few strikes go missing. And it's, you know, we need to be happy that he's actually on form again because we essentially have a 25-30 goal striker in our team who we were pretty convinced we were going to lose this summer. So I think, you know, given the fact that Muniz has come in um, and he's going to be eased into the team over time, um, you know, it's just, it, I think we're looking pretty healthy up there. So it's, we should be excited. We have the old Mitro back and, but yeah, obviously chances will go begging occasionally. I think actually we've got a better Mitro back because one of the things I've been impressed by him this season, you saw it in glimpses as well on Saturday is him being involved in other passages of play, you know, in a way that has obviously come from the coaching and what Silver's said he can do and encourage him to do and ask him to do. And, you know, rather than just being, the outlet to try and score the goals. He's creating, helping create chances for others as well. And you saw a bit of that on Saturday, seen a bit of that earlier in the season. And that's the mark, I think, of a player who thinks he's got a lot more to give and is, you know, as you say, he's confident, he's up for it each game. And I'm I'm sure we'll reap the rewards of that over the next games. Where do we go from here then? We're sat in fourth place after that magnificent start. Bournemouth and West Brom occupy the top two places, both remain undefeated. And whilst it's a long season, for all that early season promise, now we're playing catch-up and need to find some consistency quickly. Wigo, come to you. Another hospital pass, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we know we know what we're capable of, don't we, at the end of the day? We've got the quality in our squad. These, you know, these teams are top of the league for a reason. You know, they're getting the results, whatever style of play they're playing, they're managing to get the results. West Brom, you know, they've kind of changed up a little bit this year, more direct, long throws. Bournemouth are the usual with their manager style of play. Won't go into that too much. But these teams might get figured out, you know. They it can happen. You might start to think that teams are figuring us out a bit because, you know, we're getting pressed quite high now. I feel like we're putting ourselves under pressure from goal kicks a little bit more than we were at the start. So we've just got to try and work our way around it and come up with new ideas, fresh ideas. Um and just sort of try and turn our form around really. But there's ages to go. We're still in September. So, um, yeah, I'm not panicking too much. Long, long way to go. Lots of cold Tuesday nights at the cottage left for us. Also, the if you think about it, the uh, 23 unbeaten game, 23-game uh, unbeaten run didn't start until 
around Christmas time. So, you know, we've still got that to come because obviously we're going to replicate that. Of course we are. I, I think, you know, actually Bournemouth have impressed me this season from what I've seen, the highlights of the games I've seen there. They're not playing the way that we were playing two years ago, actually, or last season. They seem to be playing, with the exception of one game that I've seen, they're much more uh, expansive style. And maybe that's something their managers learned from his more recent experience. Yeah, I, nobody ever, I think, you know, since the only one I can think of is probably Fulham in the Tagana year. Very rarely does any championship team, and certainly not in the last few years, go through a whole season with being, you know, way out in front. Um, and I think, you know, there are three or four teams that are uh, higher quality, the depth of their squads than the rest. And there'll be three or four, those three or four teams will be in the top three or four places. I don't have any um, any doubt about that. And Fulham's one of them. What you've got to do is be better than the others. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's the task this season. But I think from what we've seen so far, I think Marco Silva as a manager and his coaching team and what they've got out of players, remember what he inherited in terms of a squad before the signings that was pretty much all over the place and all the stories about, you know, disharmony in the squad and everything else. He's actually got, as you've heard them say earlier in the season, you know, enjoying what they're doing. And I don't think that's gone, even if, you know, some of the results haven't been quite been what we wanted. I think the spirit is still there and I think you could see that on Saturday. So, you know, I, I know we react game by game, but I don't think there's any grounds to be seriously despondent. It's frustrating, but I don't think it's in any way uh, a really serious situation we have to worry about yet. HMS pissed the league under Captain Silver. Still full steam ahead then, lads, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Just watch out for icebergs. That's all I can say. <laughs> all right, lads, on to the Swansea game on Wednesday then. Swansea have won just two games all season so far, one of which was Saturday's victory at home to inform Huddersfield. But prior to that, they had three draws. They're a club in transition at the moment, I suppose, following the summer departure of manager Steve Cooper. And they're yet to really get going under Russell Martin. How do you see the game going? In their last away game, they were 3-0 down against Luton and ended up getting a point. So they've got some resilience about them, Wigo. Um, yeah, I've, I've rated Swansea for the last few years, but I, I think they're in, under a bit of a rebuilding phase now. Obviously, losing in the playoff final to Brentford, would have been a tough one. Um, obviously, we know how good Steve Cooper is and, you know, we were linked with him quite heavily in the summer before Marco Silva came in eventually. Um, and they had a lot of young players as well as the experience of Andre Ayew. So, you know, dealing with those departures is going always going to be tough. Um, and they've just not quite got going yet. And this is a problem. We are not the best against teams who have not quite got going yet. So I think it's going to be a tough game and they're going to be well up for it. You know, we I say it every time I'm on, every team is going to be up for playing against Fulham. Craven Cottage, you know, you're going to one of the big boys, going to want to try and get three points and dent our promotion bid. So every game's going to be tough. We know what this league's like. They've just beaten Huddersfield, who are near the top. or in the playoffs. So Swansea are capable, 100%. It's just a case of will they turn up on Wednesday? I think they will, and I think they'll give us a tough game. I mean, you look at sort of, uh, I mean, obviously they beat Huddersfield, but Huddersfield, a, a team that's sort of, you know, batting above their average, really, this season. I mean, most people were expecting them to sort of uh, be near the bottom. But, uh, see, they've lost their last two games, and obviously one of those being Swansea, so maybe they are going back down now. But, yeah, we do need to be, this is the old classic, we do need to be beating teams like this, because they are in transition. 
technically so are we, but our squad is far superior to theirs. Um, obviously, they've got Matt Grimes, who we're heavily linked with, and he's a focal point of their team. But we also have, you know, players that should be dominating teams like this. And it's up to Silver to sort of get them, you know, G'd up after, you know, what is essentially the disappointment of Saturday. And say, look, you know, they've got, you know, they have four days rest or whatever it is. It's not till Wednesday. And it's about, uh, you know, coming out of that game all guns blazing, really, and take to, taking it to them early and making sure that, you know, we get that early goal again. Because as Tom pointed out, that's kind of where we've really sort of uh, got into games is when we have scored that early goal. And I think, you know, they won't be bringing a huge amount of fans with them. You know, Wednesday night from Swansea's long journey, but you know they will, you know they will need to sort of uh, capitalise on the fact that we will have the home support under the lights. Really, I mean everything needs to be sort of going right that night. So we should get the win, but we need to make sure that our, you know, our clinical finishing is, uh, you know, is back. I, I'd be very disappointed if we don't beat Swansea because they are definitely a team in transition. I think. Um... Uh, Cooper did a, a a really good job over two years getting to playoffs um, and each year having to sell players. But Russell Martin's a very very different style of football. I mean, he did I think he did really well at MK Dons, particularly the second half of last season. And you can see what he's trying to do there and trying to do the same thing. And some of their play in the last few weeks has been, you know, it's very different style um, than, than than Steve Cooper. Much more entertaining, much more passing game. But he's still trying to get it drilled into the players that he's got. And he hasn't got the best players. He hasn't got the, the, the calibre of players that Swansea had the last couple of seasons. So um, they're definitely a team in transition. I don't think they're a team that's in danger of getting relegated, but I don't think they, they're likely to be troubling the top six either. And those are the sort of teams that we have to we have to really win against, um, sure that we, uh, we we stay in touch at the top. Um, so, yeah, an early goal, a goal in the first 15 minutes would settle everything down, I think, steady the nerves. And we can build on from that, and I hope that's what happens. But um, yeah, Swansea are not what's the Swansea of last season, and they're not by any means, I think, a complete team yet. They've got a lot of work still to do. They'll get there, I think, later this season. They'll probably be quite good second half of the season, but they're not there yet. So it's really a game we should be winning. I was just just thinking, actually, the the last time we played them was um, in right before lockdown, wasn't it? Um, and we were probably talking about how we really like an early goal that day, and. It wasn't until like the last few minutes where Mitrovic missed a penalty, but then still ended up scoring a last-minute header to, to win the game. So hopefully we won't have that kind of level of uh, stress, and we'll uh, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll just see them off quite nice and early. That was the, um, that was my that was my last game before uh, COVID took its uh yeah I remember took its hold took hold. But do you remember who put in that cross for that goal? Um, Aris is no. number forty-seven. Was it? Yeah. Was it AK? AK yeah. That was, that was in his cross. spell. That was in his spell when he was putting in a few good crosses because he did it yeah. at Derby as well for Mitrovic a couple of times. So, and then he, he had the quality. Someone else. He had the quality of crosses, didn't he, French? Did he? Did he? All right. Um, how do you think? How do you think we're going to line up then, lads? Do you think there'll be many changes? Different midfield three. I think Harrison Reed will start. I think that change will be made from uh, from Saturday. Um, I think he'll pick up where he left off uh, during the game on on, on Saturday. Um, 
I'm not. I, I wouldn't be surprised though if we still have Chalaba playing if um, if Carvalho is not back, which I don't. I'm not uh, understanding. I don't. As far as I'm aware, I don't think he will be back. Um, so that's where I think that's what I think the the uh, midfield three will be with Oliver. Um, and you know, as you've seen from Saturday, if it doesn't work, you've got a manager who's more than capable of changing at half time. So I think that's I think that's the way it'll start. And I think, but I think it'll be. I think we'll do well first half. I think, I mean, there might be a couple of just like, you know, rotational changes, given the fact that we've got this uh, Coventry game early on the Saturday. So they've only really got a couple of days recuperation after the after the game. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Mawson come in and get a start, uh, maybe give Reem a bit of a rest. And I think we said this um, after the whole uh, international break, but I think maybe he does need a little bit of time just to sort of, you know, recuperate, really. So and Morton against his old team, you know, everyone loves playing against their old oh, team. Yeah. So, um, and you know, maybe Cabano for Reed. You know, he looked came when he came on, looked sharp. So perhaps he'll give him a go. Uh, but yeah, you say if um, Cavallo is not playing, then could you know, I guess uh, Shalabar again. But did he do enough in that game to keep his place? You know, it's difficult to say really. So, you know, on the on the face of it, no. But Silver likes him, so maybe I'll just give him another chance. Yeah, I kind of agree with both of you lads, really. Reed will probably start. You know, he's a good player. We know the quality that he's got, and uh, he'll come in and do a good job. I think, yeah, I could, as you say, rotational changes wouldn't be surprised. He does like to change it on the wings a bit um, as well. So, yeah, Cabano, I wouldn't be surprised if he does start Cavaliero, to be honest, um, just for, you know, Bobby Reed change it up a little bit after the last couple of games. Um, but I can't see it being major. You know, we've got to go and we've got to get the three points. So you, you do want to be playing your best players for it. I still, I see this as a crucial game to get three points and turn that confidence around. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you. Let's come on to a score prediction then. Tom, I come to you first for a score prediction. How many are we going to win by? I think we'll win 3-1. All right. 3-1. I'm going to avoid doing a score prediction because the last two that I've done were um, 5-0 against Reading and 4-0 against Blackpool. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Morgs? <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to go for a 2-0 on this one. All right. And we go? 2-1, uh, I think. All right. Three points all round then. Lovely stuff. All right, that's your lot this week, folks. We'll be back on Friday morning this week for all the reaction to the Swansea game. Plus, we will look ahead to our match with Coventry City on Saturday lunchtime, the first time the size have met since 1982. Tom, you're going to come back and join us for that one, mate, aren't you? I'd love to, yeah. Thank you very much. Lovely stuff. Thanks, mate. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening, folks. You can subscribe to the Full and Focus podcast if you don't already do so on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you may care to get your podcast from. Please do also follow us on social media or on Twitter. We are at Fulham underscore Focus and on Instagram at Fulham Focus. Also check out our website at FulhamFocus.com. Have a great week, guys, and see you at the cottage on Wednesday. Cheers.